This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Hello and welcome back. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. This is the podcast where I live, crazy person, mythology connoisseur, tell you about ancient Greek myths that are just too crazy to believe. This week, it's specifically true, as as you know, we're carrying on where we left off last week with our good old friend Oedipus. So let's just jump right in. This is episode nine, Oedipus, mother lover and father killer. Now, where did we leave off last week? Well, our friend Oedipus was, let me just take a breath here. He was born to a man who learned that his child would kill him, so that man wanted to kill his child instead. But Oedipus was spared and raised by other parents in a whole other city. But then there were rumors. Oh, there were rumors. Oedipus wasn't sure his new parents were his real parents, which of course they weren't, but Oedipus didn't know that. He went to the oracle to ask, and the oracle told him he would kill his dad and marry his mom. The horror! But instead of thinking, hey, maybe my mom and dad aren't actually my mom and dad, so maybe it's fine and I shouldn't overreact, instead he runs away. Little does he know he runs toward the city where his actual mom and dad live. And what ho, he accidentally kills his dad on the road to Thebes. Shucks. But he of course doesn't know. Then, as a reward for defeating a lady with wings and a lion body, he's given a kingship. And yes, he's also given his mother as his wife. So prophecy has come true and old Oedipus has no clue. Hey look, I rhymed. So he's been king for a while, but there's plague ravaging his city. 
Oedipus sends his brother-in-law slash uncle Creon to visit the Oracle to find out what the hell is up, and the Oracle says that it's because the killer of the king, <coughs> Oedipus, hasn't been caught. Oedipus calls in blind old Tiresias, the prophet, to answer his questions. At first, Tiresias tries to get away with not answering, but when Oedipus accuses him of having something to do with killing King Laius, Tiresias loses his shit and instead tells Oedipus that it's actually he who is the killer. But of course, faced with the truth, Oedipus refuses to believe him and instead says he's working with old Creon to undermine him because he's a paranoid, crazy person. And there we are. So now Oedipus is accusing Creon of trying to get rid of him. And Creon arrives to face these random accusations that, frankly, came out of nowhere. Oedipus demands Creon be executed. Off with his head, he might have said, but probably didn't. The townspeople, slash the chorus when it comes to the play, which is where this comes from, rolls up just in time and convinces Oedipus that maybe he's overreacting and he doesn't need to kill his brother-in-law, slash uncle, because actually he has no proof of anything and is kind of losing his damn mind. This is when Jocasta, queen mother and not in the British way, rolls up all what the F is going on. You trying to kill my brother for something you totally made up? Not chill, husband slash actually my child. Of course, this story is written by men, so what she actually does is come in and comfort Oedipus, who's being a real bitch, and she tells Oedipus that he shouldn't trouble, trouble himself with prophets. Don't be silly, those oracles are never right. Nothing they ever say comes true, not at all. In fact, she says, my first husband and I saw guidance from an oracle after we had our first son. That oracle said that Laius would be killed by his son, but that never came true, did it? No. See, we got rid of our son because we're awful people, but so it was totally fine. And actually, Laius was killed by bandits at a crossroads. So just don't worry, my love slash son. It's totally fine. This is when Oedipus finally finally takes a beat and is like, hmm, you know, that sounds kind of familiar. I know I've heard a hundred goddamn times that the king was killed on a road, and I know I totally remember killing some rando myself on a road, but finally, finally he thinks, hey, maybe there's some connection. Just maybe. So we asked Jocasta what Lias looked like. He's trying to be sly, like, oh, what an interesting story that means nothing to me. By the way, and this is totally unrelated, don't worry at all, it's not like I think maybe I killed him. No, it's very separately, very just, I'm curious is all. By the way, what did old Linus look like? Jocasta tells him, and finally, finally, Oedipus thinks to himself, oh shit, oh shit. So again, super casually, he calls for the one survivor that exists from when Laius was killed. Because I guess a dude survived. Oedipus isn't the most efficient random road rage killer. Oedipus, of course, can only be so casual when he's asking these types of questions. And Jocasta, Jocasta is no dummy. She gives Oedipus a look that's like, what the hell are you thinking, husband who is actually my son? I don't know what that kind of look would look like, but, you know, there we have it. She asks him, son, I mean, hubby, excuse me, what's wrong? He tells her, well, 
A long time ago, back in Corinth, when I was just a dumb kid and not a totally crazy paranoid lunatic, a drunk guy at a party told me that I wasn't actually my parents' son. I went to the Oracle, you know, the one who's never right and we should never believe because, man, they just never turn out to be right. Well, yeah, so I went to the Oracle and that damn Oracle didn't actually tell me who my parents were or if the parents I believe are my parents were ever my parents at all. No, the damn Oracle just told me that one day I would kill my dad and marry my mom. This is going to happen every week now. So when I heard this, I vowed to leave Corinth and never return. I didn't want to ever be, ever, ever be in a position where that awful, awful prophecy could come true. No, that would be truly awful, just disgusting. So I ran far, far away. I like to believe at this point Jocasta gives him another look, and this time one that says, Do you see the flaw in this logic? Because I just feel like someone has to see the flaw in this logic. If they're not your real parents, then running away from them does absolutely no good. Why would it do any good? Oedipus continues telling his story. He says, When I was fleeing from Corinth, I came upon a crossroads. You know, the same crossroads where King Laius was killed, and I was just minding my own damn business when this carriage came along and tried to run me off the road. So, you know, I killed them. Because what else can you really do in that kind of situation? Anyway, turns out one of these guys kind of resembles your description of Laius. Which, you know, is a bit of a coincidence. But see, I've heard that Laius was killed by bandits, like with an S, so multiple. So again, it's probably just a coincidence. But see, that's why I want to have a little chat with the one guy that survived when Laius was killed. While Oedipus and Jocasta are waiting for this survivor dude to arrive in Thebes, a messenger arrives from Corinth. He tells Oedipus that his father has died. The messenger is kind of surprised and weirded out by the fact that Oedipus is super psyched by this news. He's bouncing around in happiness. The messenger must think he's a real dick. Oedipus is, of course, psyched because in his mind, where he is totally dumb and doesn't see the obvious fact in front of him, he's just been reassured that this prophecy was all hooey in the first place. Phew, he thinks. I'm totally in the clear. Now I can never kill my father because wouldn't you know that my father is already dead? And there's nothing to that rumor that started this whole damn thing that, you know, maybe my father wasn't actually my father in the first place. No, that means nothing. Don't be silly. So Oedipus, Oedipus is voicing this happiness to the messenger. But then he thinks, oh man, what if half of the prophecy can still come true? Random messenger I've just met who brought me the tragic news that my father has died. What if I can still marry my mom and commit incest? He asks with a blah look on his face. Oh, don't worry at all, the messenger tells him. You're totally fine. Why? Oh, well, your mother in Corinth, wife of the guy that's just died, she was never really your mother at all. What? How do I know? Well, wouldn't you know that actually, while I'm a messenger now, I actually used to be a shepherd. I know, I know. You think a shepherd is such a steady career. Why would I become a messenger? Well, I just really love messengering. It's my passion. Oedipus looks at him all. The fuck? And the shepherd-turned-messenger continues. See, I used to be a shepherd, and actually I was given this rando baby a long, long time ago. And King Polybus and Queen Merope of Corinth, they actually adopted that baby. 
Oh, where'd I get the baby? Well, I got it from another shepherd. We're baby traders by trade. And that shepherd got it from Elias's household, where he'd been told to get rid of the child. Why do you ask? Oedipus is curious now. He turns to the chorus, his townspeople, and he asks them if they know this shepherd. What a coincidence! They say... See, it turns out that actually this shepherd that was given a child by the Elias household to get rid of, and that gave it to this other shepherd who is now a messenger, who gave it to the king and queen of Corinth, well, that shepherd is actually the dude who's on his way to Thebes right now. He just happens to be the lucky guy who survived the attack when Elias was killed. Just great, right? What a coincidence. Meanwhile, Jocasta has been watching this all go down. Her expression is basically that emoji with all the teeth showing. You know, the aw shit emoji. See, Jocasta knows what's up. She is, thank God, able to see what is right fucking in front of everyone. That dun-dun-dun, the prophecy has come true, you dummy, because Polybus and Merope and Corinth were not your parents, Oedipus. I like to hope that Jocasta understood a long time ago when it was obvious to the rest of us, but it's possible it only came to her when she learned that the shepherd-turned-messenger got the baby from a shepherd from her own household. She surely thought, well, there was only the one baby we got rid of. At this point, Jocasta realizes that it would be far better for everyone if Oedipus would just shut the fuck up and stop asking all these pesky questions that will inevitably result in the very public realization that they're mother and son and that they're married and ew, 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 and that, oh, BTW, Oedipus killed his own father who was the king and is therefore actually the cause of this awful plague that's been causing so much trouble in Thebes. Just stop, Oedipus, for everyone's sake. Of course, Oedipus is a stubborn bastard, so he refuses to shut up. Jocasta wants none of this shit, and she runs into the palace. Finally, this survivor shepherd arrives, and Oedipus starts to question him. This shepherd is also smarter than Oedipus, at this point, who isn't? And he tries to refuse to answer the questions because he too knows what the result will be. He begs and pleads to just be let go without answering. But again, Oedipus is a stubborn bastard. He presses him. Eventually, he's just like, dude, you gotta answer. I'm gonna torture you and maybe kill you entirely because I'm awesome and a benevolent king. So the shepherd gives in. It's not worth his life. It's Oedipus' goddamn fault that he won't shut up. So the shepherd says that, well, the baby that I gave away to the shepherd-turned-messenger was actually Elias' son, and the reason I had him to give away was that Jocasta, because, remember, Elias didn't have the balls to do it himself, Jocasta gave the baby to be exposed on a mountaintop because of that pesky prophecy that the baby would grow up to kill King Elias. So finally, finally, it's all out in the open. Honestly, it just seems so obvious. But guys, the drama, it isn't over yet. Oedipus acts like an angry teenager. He curses himself and his fate before huffing and angrily walking into the palace. Picture him slamming his bedroom door shut. 
Now, the way the story is told is based around it being a play. So when the characters enter the palace, they're walking off stage. This is the stuff we don't see. So eventually a servant walks out of the palace shortly after Oedipus went in. He basically tells the audience what happened inside or off stage. So off stage, Jocasta, after she ran into the palace, went to her bedroom and hung herself, which, I mean, sad, but what can you do when you find out that the prophecy you tried so hard to keep from happening totally did happen? And not only that, but you've been married to your son for like 15 years and you have four kids with him. That's a lot to take in. And shortly after, when Oedipus ran inside himself, he went around yelling at his servants to bring him a sword because he apparently wanted to cut Jocasta's womb out because gross and he's taking his anger out on her, which is pretty unreasonable. I mean, honestly, it's all his fault. I'll say it again because frankly, it's all I can think about when I hear this story. You thought your parents might not be your parents. So why did you run away when you learned you were destined to kill your father and marry your mother? Why didn't you just ask your parents the truth in case staying in Corinth was actually the solution all along? But honestly, what have we learned if not that the oracles are always right, you guys. They're always right. Don't ever try to get away from it because they will always be right. Anyway, fuck Oedipus, the little asshole. So he doesn't actually cut out Dracasta's womb, bonus. But instead, he runs around the house in a rage, just totally losing his shit. And he ends up finding Jocasta hanging in her in their bedroom. He gets super emotional because, I mean, gross or not, she has been his wife for a long time. And also now he knows that she's his mom too. So he's a hint attached. He takes her down and he mourns over her, but... It doesn't take long before he removes the pins that were keeping her dress together and promptly stabs them into his own eyes. Because that's the proportionate reaction to all this crazy news. So now, not only is he blind, but he's bleeding profusely from the eyes, so he's basically a terrifying bloody monster who's still angry and crazy. He exits the palace and he tells Creon he wants to be exiled. ASAP. Oedipus and Jocasta's daughters, Antigone and Ismene, they come out and Oedipus complains about how they've been born into a cursed family. He has two sons too, but I think the daughters kind of get the brunt of the bullshit. Shocker. So yeah, he they come out and he's just rambling and raving about how they, they're cursed. And I mean, I figure he could have said some nice words to them, you know, maybe tried to comfort them because their mom just killed herself or try to explain how he's sorry that he's their brother and their dad and that that really wasn't the plan. But no, he doesn't. He's just bitching about his own mistakes, which I repeat are his and his alone. So Oedipus is exiled from Thebes, basically at his own request, but it probably would have happened even if he hadn't requested it because, you know, he killed the king and married and had kids with his own mom. And even in ancient Greece, where consent is relative, that was frowned upon. I'll just pause here to say that this is where Sophocles' first play, Oedipus the King, leaves off. And um, the second in the Theban trilogy, this is where it begins. Oedipus at Colonus. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Oedipus is exiled, but his daughter Antigone ends up going with him. I guess out of love for her father slash brother, but kind of weird if you ask me. Anyway, Antigone heads off with him and they end up in the village of Colonus. They're pretty tired because of all the exile walking and plus Oedipus is blind, so that would make things a little trickier, especially when you're on foot. So they sit down on a rock in Colonus, but they're immediately told they have to leave by this random villager that shows up. See, they've sat on this rock, and that turns out it's a rock that's sacred ground to the Arenaways, the Furies, the badass vengeance lady monsters. The villager says about this land, quote, It may not be touched, and none may live upon it. Dread goddesses own it, daughters of earth and darkness. Which I think is an awesome way of describing them and of convincing someone to leave. Don't want to anger those dread goddesses. I only think of the dread pirate Roberts. Wesley. Oedipus recognizes some significance in this. See, I guess when he'd seen the oracle and found out that he would kill his father and marry his mother, he also learned from Apollo via this oracle that he would die in a place sacred to the Furies. And then he would subsequently be a blessing on the land where he's buried. It seems pretty coincidental, if you ask me, but I'm no Sophocles. There it is again. The chorus, a group of local men this time, because ancient Greece, they show up and they convince Oedipus to leave the uh, holy fury ground. Why there is ground sacred, sacred to crazy vengeance ladies is beyond me. Then they question him about himself, though, and that's a big mistake. They're not super psyched to learn that he's the son of Laius. See, gossip spreads in ancient Greece and they know what's up. They don't want to hurt him, but they want him far, far away from their town. You know, because he's got quite the reputation. Oedipus, though, who was too ashamed to stay in Thebes, thinks he has every right to live in Colonus. 
He tries to explain away all the gross and weird things associated with him, saying he's not responsible for killing his father because he was in self-defense. I would say that this is not something proven by the evidence we have. Don't know that Oedipus would get off in a court these days. Road rage, in my opinion. Anyway, he says, don't blame me. Nothing is my fault because I'm Oedipus. Woe is me. He wants to see the king now, too. Convince him to let him stay. Now, Colonus is close to Athens, so it has the same king, who at this time was Theseus. You remember the one. He's awful and likes to rape and impregnate women before abandoning them. Oh, and he left Ariadne on an island and married her sister. Anyway, this is apparently after all those crimes, and so people kind of love him. He's revered, and he's seen as a great king. Fuck that, but what can you do? Meanwhile, Ismene, Oedipus's other daughter, rolls up from Thebes. She's got news of some major drama going on. See, what I didn't mention before, because they weren't really important, and frankly I forgot, is that Oedipus and Jocasta also had the two sons. They were a very productive mother-son duo. One of their sons, Eteocles, uh, has seized the throne of Thebes from his elder brother, Polynices, who is now gathering support from nearby regions to attack and take back the city. See, both sons have heard from the oracle that the outcome of their war will depend on where Oedipus is buried, because that's how these things work. Again, oracles, guys. Just leave them alone. Creon, learning this, plans to come take Oedipus, kill him, and bury him at the border of Thebes without any proper burial, right, burial rites, so that this power the oracle is talking about won't help any land but Thebes. I won't try to understand how this type of nonsense works. We'll trust Creon. Oedipus is not psyched, weird, and he curses his sons, which of course means nothing because they're nowhere near Thebes. Now, Theseus rolls up and is apparently all-knowing because unlike the townspeople of Colonus, he doesn't ask Oedipus any questions and already has all the info about Oedipus's familial escapades. Oedipus offers Theseus the honor of having him buried there, which is weird because Obviously, he isn't dead yet, and we don't actually know that he is close to death or anything. At this point, he's just blind. But all this oracle talk has made clear that wherever Oedipus is buried is important in some weird and morbid way. Theseus responds by making Oedipus an official citizen of Athens. You'll note there's no offer to make Antigone or Ismene citizens of Athens, because super fun, women weren't even citizens at all, not of anywhere. They had absolutely zero rights. Theseus then heads off to sacrifice something to Poseidon, as you do. Then, well, then Creon shows up from Thebes, trying to get Oedipus to come back. See, they still want him dead and buried on their land, which is not weird at all. Anyway, Creon says that he's kidnapped Ismene, because I guess she's gone now, and then he goes and kidnaps Antigone right there, trying to blackmail Oedipus into coming back to Thebes. Theseus rolls back up, you know, post-sacrificing some poor animal to Poseidon, for God knows what reason, and he defends Oedipus. He says something or other about Athens being a place of laws and justice, which I think is kind of ironic, given Theseus's history, but what can you do? He continues to defend Oedipus against Creon, and he gets Antigone and Ismene back from Creon. Maybe the first time he saves women and doesn't rape them. So, bonus. 
Creon continues to try to get Oedipus to come back with him through various means of blackmail. Oedipus continuously claims he's not morally culpable for all the shitty things he did, which, again, I call bullshit on. Fine, you didn't know Jocasta was your mom, but I still don't understand why you needed to kill Laius on the road and why you were such a dummy as to not ever put two and two together and realize, God damn it, maybe that was the king everyone was talking about. Anyway, no pity for you, Oedipus. None at all. Also note, Theseus defends Oedipus, but he doesn't ever go so far as to allow Oedipus to actually touch him in any way because of Oedipus's pollution, which I do find a bit funny. Theseus then tells Oedipus that, hey, there's actually a supplicant for you in the Temple of Poseidon, and that this guy wants to talk to you. That was poor phrasing. There's a guy in the Temple to Poseidon, and he wants to talk to Oedipus. It turns out it's his other son, the one who was ousted from Thebes, Polynices. Oedipus is a little dick to him, and he tells him he doesn't want to talk, that he loathes the sound of his voice. He's a drama king. Antigone briefly convinces Oedipus not to be quite such a little dink and to talk to his son. Polynices tells him that he's preparing to attack Thebes to try to get it back. Things have really gone to shit over there. You'd think people were a little angry and confused after finding out that their king killed their other king and that their new king is the son of a mother-son relationship. I mean, they're just not psyched over in Thebes. Oedipus, shocker, is still a dick. He says that the two sons will kill each other in this upcoming battle and that he's psyched about it, cursing them and being just a real asshole. More like a shitty, jealous, angry half-brother rather than a father, but there you go, both true. Antigone tries to sort things out. She's really the only voice of reason in the whole place. She tries to make her father chill, and she tries to keep her brother from attacking Thebes and potentially dying by his own brother's hand, but no luck. He can't be convinced. Polynices heads back to Thebes to fright his brother and probably die. Then, there's a banana's thunderstorm just out of the blue. This is a play, so picture a lot of banging metal for effect. Oedipus is suddenly all-knowing or something because he interprets this standard weather situation as a sign from Zeus that he will die soon. He calls in Theseus, dramatically telling him that it's time for him to give the gift he promised to Athens. You know, the so-called gift of having Oedipus buried on your land as if it's some crazy form of good luck and not just a dead body buried somewhere. Oedipus is suddenly all righteous and he calls for Theseus and his daughters to follow him. He leads them all off and prepares himself for death. Oils himself up and whatnot. Sounds weird. It's not totally crazy for the ancient Greeks, though. He doesn't actually let Antigone or Ismene see where he dies, though. Only Theseus gets to see this so-called sacred place. And there we go. Oedipus is finally dead. Jeez. Drama over. Nope, not actually. There's a war brewing in Thebes. Next week, next week I'll dive into, this time, Aeschylus' play. See, Sophocles had a trilogy, and, Oedip- and Aeschylus had a trilogy, both surrounding the events at Thebes, but while both covered Oedipus the king and his non-adventures and colonists, I'm sorry, it was kind of boring, whatever, Aeschylus then writes about the seven against Thebes, that would be the conflict between Oedipus' sons, 
Whereas Sophocles' final play, on the other hand, is called Antigone, and it's about the events after the Seven Against Thebes. So next week, I plan to cover both Seven Against Thebes and Antigone. Stay tuned. Thank you again. You're all lovely and wonderful people. Please, please, please do me a favor and rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It does a world of difference when it comes to helping people find the podcast and just get more listeners and just more lovely people to listen to me rant about myths. As always, you can listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, etc., etc. You can find me everywhere at MythsBaby on Instagram and Twitter. I'm most active on Insta. It turns out you can find some pretty fun images of crazy Greek mythology moments. I've been having a grand old time. Today I posted a picture of a butt. Yeah, that's right. A mythological butt. You can find me on Facebook, also MythsBaby. And there's a website, you guessed it, MythsBaby.com. I'm happy to take suggestions, so feel free to reach out or just say hello. Also makes me happy. As I mentioned last week, this Oedipus suggestion came in from a fan in Greece, that lucky duck. So, you know, I listen to suggestions. Thank you once more. I'm Liv. I love this shit. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.